All right, we are continuing in our Wisdom for Life series through the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, I've run into a couple of guys who don't, who've never tried Bonchon. If that is you... You need to try banchan. It is amazing. I'm serious. You cannot overhype banchan. You know those things that you overhype and you're like, oh, it's not as Banchan does not fit that mold. Try banchan and you're welcome. The team did a great job of uh, thinking through what, what us fathers love. So thank you guys for, for setting us up with that. Um, well, good morning. I'm, I'm David, pastor here at, at Current. Um, we're continuing, yes, this uh, summer's series in the book of Proverbs, Wisdom for Life. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd start this message by talking about how we all love life hacks. You heard that, that social media hashtag, life hacks? Uh, and in honor of Father's Day, I thought I'd share some life hacks from Chipotle. Because what dad doesn't like Chipotle? Uh, did you know this is, it's this thing where if you, you go online, you can find article upon article of, like, how you can hack the ordering system at Chipotle to maximize, like, the outcome? Um, I'm going to give you a couple here. Uh, so one Chipotle hack here is uh, if, you're, if you're wanting to order a burrito, order a bowl instead and get tortillas on the side. If you're taking notes, write this down. Get a, a, burrito, on the, uh, on, uh, a burrito bowl instead and get tortillas on the side because what will happen is you'll get basically two burritos for the price of one. Um, that's been a life changer for me, no joke. Uh, you get an extra meal the next day or if you're actually more like me, you actually eat two the same day. Um, here's another uh, Chipotle hack. If you order half steak and half chicken, so any half meat, half meat, uh, you will actually always get extra meat than if you just got one. And the reason for that is if you ever do this, you'll see it. Like the, the employee is like giving you this half meat, but you know, just to give a true half amount looks very little. So they give you a little bit more than half and then a little bit more than half and you end up with a lot more meat. Here's a personal one. Uh, I've, I haven't found this on any of the articles. If you want to get more in, in from your order, befriend the servers. Befriend the servers. One, that's just a nice thing to do. But if you just go about like, hey, how's your day? You know, how, how have you been? You know, that sort of thing. You'll find that they'll add more and more food. Cindy and I have tested this. Like when I go and I just unleash my extroverted ways with them, hey, how are you doing? Like we end up with all this food at the end of it. And Cindy's like, you need to go and order the food and you will get more food. And, you know... Um, which, by the way, is a good wife hack. Uh, just convince your, your husband that, hey, you are such a good job at ordering food. Why don't you go pick up the food? Um, we all love good life hacks, these little strategies or techniques to kind of you know, maximize in life. Um, we all are obsessed with top tips for success. Um, and according to many, wisdom is all about these sorts of things, life hacks, top tips. Um, but what if wisdom was so much more than that? Um, for instance, to get ourselves thinking about this, think of somebody in your life who just epitomizes wisdom. You know, who is somebody in your life that you just, you just think, when it comes to wisdom, it's, it's this person? 
You got someone like that in your mind? I would venture to guess that the person that you're thinking about, it had, it, it, their wisdom has less to do with them being smart or have the life hacks or whatever it might be, top tips like for, for life. Maybe they have some of that. They probably do. But I would, think, I would venture to guess it has more to do with their character. It has more to do with who they are or who, who they are as, as people. Um, what we see here today as we continue this series and we look at this King Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever uh, walked on this earth, um, just sharing with, them how, sharing with us how we can become wise, is he shows us that wisdom is more about who you're becoming than what you're learning. Wisdom isn't just about what you're learning. It's, about, it's more about who you are becoming. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into this text that was, that was just read for us. Father, we thank you uh, for this wisdom that you have before us here. We thank you that uh, we can celebrate you as our Father today. Um, Lord, would this be a wonderful day for the fathers in our midst? Would, you just, would it be a special day for them? Would they just feel loved and cared for? And I also want to pray for those that where fathers, they might be a little bit harder, a little bit more rough of a time, maybe because um, their relationship with their father has been not what they would hoped it to be, or maybe their father has, has, has passed on. Father, would you be especially with them, comforting them, loving them? Because today, at, at, at the end of all of this, uh, at the heart of all this, is we're coming to you as our Father, to worship you and love you, and yes, to learn from you. So, Father, would you open up your wisdom to us now in your word? We ask for your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20, uh, just read a couple of verses to kind of get us into this. Solomon, writing to his son, says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Here's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, do you want wisdom? He's saying, do you want to experience the benefits of wisdom? Then here's the main thing you got to focus on. Here's priority number one. Guard your heart. Uh, isn't that an interesting thought? If you were, if you were to say, hey, what, what does wisdom all come down to? Here's what I would say. I probably would have said, you know, get out there and learn, <laughs> which, of course, learning is a big part of it. But he says the, the, the main thing, the thing that you need to consider above all else is to guard your heart. Uh, wisdom is more about who you are and who you are becoming than what you are learning. Um, so to understand what Solomon is saying here, we need to understand what the word, in, uh, what the word heart means. Uh, because in the Bible, uh, it's often used in different ways than we use in our own context, in our own culture, in our own vernacular. You know, when we use our heart, I think we typically mean kind of like the, the seed of our emotions, like our, all those feels that we have, you know, everything that is how we react emotionally. When we talk about our heart, that's generally what we're talking about. But when the Bible's talking about our, our heart, it's talking about the seat of, of our deepest trusts, our deepest commitments, in our deepest loves, from which Solomon says here, everything you do flows. Um, uh, one author put it this way. Sorry, this won't be on the screen. What the heart most loves and trusts, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find desirable, and the will finds doable. The heart that Solomon is speaking of here, and, and, and really all across the Bible, whenever you come across this word, is talking about who we are at our inner core. At, in, our, in our inner being. Uh, here's a, another way to think about it. Our hearts are central control. Um, 
you know, actually verse 23, when it talks about it, it's, it's out of everything flows from out of our heart, it's talking about our heart being a wellspring, uh, something to keep in mind as we move forward. It, it means that, yes, it, our hearts are things, uh, is a place from which everything flows out in our life, but there's also a flowing into, and we'll see more of that as we move forward. But our heart is central control. So Solomon is saying, do you want to become wise? Do you want to experience its benefits? Understand that it first comes down to who you are and who you're becoming, not just what you're learning. Okay, so then how do we guard our hearts? Uh, the rest of the text actually shows this to us. Uh, look at verse 24. Solomon shows us to watch what we say. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Another translation, just to kind of give color to this, says, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. So if our hearts are central control, then we need to watch our words. We need to understand that what we say is really ourselves coming out. It reveals who we are, our nature. Uh, when I was in grad school to pay the bills, I had a job there at the university uh, supervising employees, student employees. And uh, I, I supervised a lot of employees. At any given time, there's about 100, 120 employees. And given the fact that it was university employees, there was a lot of turnover, right? So I just saw a lot of employees come in and out. And I was in charge of the hiring process, which meant I did tons of interviews, Okay, so I just, I just sat down with just tons of, of potential hires, applicants, that sort of thing, just interviewed them. I got to observe a lot of trends. It was a very valuable experience. Uh, one of the trends, well, trends, one of the things I noticed hap- that would happen every once in a while is everybody would come in prepared, right? Everybody came in dressed for the part. I don't know why I'm pointing at myself. I don't know if you go in an interview like this, but everybody would come in dressed for the part. Uh, to this, these interviews, they'd come having done their homework on the department. They'd come with questions they could ask if I said, do you have any questions for, for me? Uh, they'd come with answers to the anticipated questions that they, you know, w- were likely to be asked. But every once in a while, an applicant would either be talking about themselves or answering a question that I was talking about and would accidentally let slip an off-color swear word. Like, just every once in a while. And, you know, if it had happened once or maybe even twice, I wouldn't be talking about it right now. I probably wouldn't have given it much thought. But this happened multiple times. And every single time, actually, uh, when the word came out, whatever it was, uh, they'd go, oh, oh, like, I can't believe I just said that. You know, like, I'm sitting in the middle of this interview. I can't believe. One dude actually, like, let out uh, a swear word and then, and then said, oh, boop, like another swear word <laughs> on top of it. And he's all, should I just leave? Should I just, is this, is this interview over? Um, but anyways, it happened from time to time, so I just was thinking about it and just trying to processing it. I was with my boss one day, and I was just musing about it. Just, you know, I didn't have anything just I was trying to figure out. I was just talking about it. I said, you know, I've, I've noticed that every once in a while, uh, folks will just kind of let slip, slip uh, a swear word or whatever. And she said, oh, totally. Man, when I was doing all those interviews, everybody, like, yeah, it would happen so often that now when I, whenever I'm mentoring folks, I always share with them that they should watch what they say in private. Because what you say in private will come out or is likely to come out in public, including in interviews. And she said something to the effect, that is who you are after all. And I was sitting there like, whoa, what a helpful thought in terms of understanding life and wisdom. Solomon says this. He says it's wise to watch what we say because in one sense, it's revealing who we are, where we're at. But here's another thing that it does for us. It doesn't just reveal who we are. It can also mold who we are becoming. If anything really stuck out to me this week in my study, it's this thought. Not only do these things that we're going to be looking at, for instance, for starters here, point number one, watching what we say, not only do these things reveal who we are, they can actually also mold who we are. 
In other words, do you want to become wise? Do you want to experience the benefits of wisdom? Watch what you say. Uh, James, writing to the early church, described our tongues, our words, like the rudder of a small ship. Um, have you ever seen a rudder of a, of a ship before? It's, they're actually, you don't really come across them too often because waters are obviously most often in the water and the rudders are underneath the water, the thing that steers it, the rudder, right? Uh, so you don't often don't get to see it. But if you do ever get to see it, uh, chances are the first time you see a, a rudder, you're like, whoa, my goodness, those things are so small in comparison to the rest of this ship. Uh, so for instance, uh, part of my story is my family was really big on uh, sailing growing up. My parents would always have a sailboat, cheap old sailboat. Um, but what was fascinating about sailboats is they obviously don't go very fast. They go super slow, like top speed jogging, right? Um, but even still, at that slow speed, you could take this rudder, which is essentially a stick in the water. I mean, there's a little bit more to that, you know. But it's basically a stick in the water. And if you yank it, even going at like a walking speed, you can send your friends flying off the boat. It doesn't take much. It's a small rudder, just not much speed. You can send them flying. Have you ever seen the rudder on a cruise ship? It's like these things are like, are you kidding me? That thing can drive this like floating city? Like they're huge. The, 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 city, the, the, the rudder is tiny compared to the, the ship inside. That's because rudders or James or our tongues, what we can say can really affect things around us. And by the way, that's not just the people in our lives. That starts in our hearts. Our words affect our hearts. They affect central control. So we need to understand it's wise to watch what we say. It, they, just, they don't just reveal who we are, they mold who we are. Um, how can you watch what you say? You know, it makes me think of times when I get off work. I wonder how you kind of talk about things around the dinner table or with your roommate or with your loved one. Let's say your boss or that coworker is just really getting under your skin. How do you go about describing that situation? What words do you use? Because I think we can all agree there's, there's two ways of really going about this. There's one way where we're really honoring, and there's another way that's not so honoring. These idiots, I can't believe. But isn't it true that when we speak bitter against somebody, it's not hard for our hearts to follow, souring towards that person? Uh, we need to watch what we're saying uh, so that we can guard our hearts because what we say are both revealers and molders of who we are and who we are becoming. How can you watch what you say? Um, number two, Solomon shows us in order to guard our hearts, we need to watch where we gaze. Now, this is an interesting thought, but verse 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. So if our hearts are central control, then our eyes, then our gaze can influence the heart. Uh, if we gaze longingly enough at an object, it can capture us even through our imaginations. Uh, Caleb and I just finished reading, my little seven-year-old and I just finished reading The Hobbit. We've been working through that for a number of months during bedtime story. And uh, can I just geek out for a second? Uh, I was, right after finishing Hobbit, I, was, I, I, I went to ask him a question I'd been like writing a lot on. He had no idea I was getting ready to like, ask this question that meant far more to me than, than he, had, he could ever anticipate. But after the book, I was like, can we now read Lord of the Rings? And he's like, what's Lord of the Rings? Well, it's the same story. There's, no more, there's still no pictures. There's like lots more words. It'll take us longer, but it follows the story. He's like, yeah, we can read that. I was like, yes. So I can imagine Cindy rolling her eyes right now. Like the next four years of our bedtime life is like picking <laughs> up. I didn't say Cimmerillion. Okay, anyways. Um, but 
Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, does an awesome job as a, as a, as a man of faith uh, using spiritual allegory through the Lord of the Rings books and movies, if, if, you, if, you, know, uh, if you pay attention to them. Uh, the most obvious one has to do with that ring, right? The ring of power, the ring that, this, that brings wealth, the ring that can make you invisible, the ring that can, you know, do all these different things that y- you might want it to do for you. It's the one. It's my precious, right? And the whole idea there, Tolkien's conveying really beautifully, poetically, is this idea of, of man, we can just look at an object or, or something in life and just see, wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's, that's cool. And then the next thought becomes, oh, I wonder if I had that. And the next thought, what, what could I do with that? And it's dot, 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 not a super long road, and it's, you, don't even, you can't even identify the transition to when it becomes my precious. And Tolkien does an awesome job of showing how any character, even the most upright of characters, can you know, fall for that temptation. Smeagol, Gollum, right? Uh, just takes it on. But even Frodo had to have like Gandalf and Samwise Gamgee. I'm sorry, I'm going Lord of the Rings here for you. Um, had to have him say to Frodo this whole time, hey, that ring, it has power over you, Frodo. Be careful. No, no, yes, no, sort of. And he captures all that. That's the power of what we gaze at. Um, here's how I define gaze, gazing, like thinking about it from our perspective. I think it's saying of, of something, if only I had fill in the blank, then I'd be happy. If only I had money, then I'd be happy. If only I had X amount of dollars, or it doesn't even have to be amount of of money. It could be, if only I owned or owned that type of place, then I'd be happy. And the thing about the things we we find ourselves gazing at a little bit more longingly than we we ought to, and and, in more of a sense that it starts to hold control and power over our hearts if we're not careful to guard what we gaze at, don't have to be in and of themselves bad things. I think we all realize that if we gaze at bad things, uh, uh, gambling, uh, pornography, uh, substance abuse, clear substance abuse, if we do those things, I think we all inherently know that those things can influence us and take us in directions that aren't helpful to us or beneficial to others, but they don't have to necessarily be bad things in and of themselves, like money. Money's not a bad thing, but listen to how Jesus talks about money. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Money, the things we gaze at, can be a revealer and a molder of who we are becoming. Uh, If only I had relationships or this type of relationship, then I'd be happy. Um, I've had a number of friends uh, throughout the years where when they... I had a, a, a relationship with a significant other not work out. It was hard for them, of course. Anytime an a, a intimate relationship ends is hard. Uh, but when, say, that person they're dating uh, it ends, and then years later, it's still the same amount of despair. I mean, sometimes years and years and years, that could be something that we are gazing up- upon, as Solomon would define it. Um, what are you gazing at? And I think what Tolkien does a great job for us in terms of his illustration with the ring is we don't necessarily, we can't easily identify it. Um, But we need to give thought to it. Uh, Are you gazing upon power and acclaim? If I just get that next promotion, then I'll be happy. Are Are you gazing upon what others think of you? If people just understood my worth, then I'd be happy. Are you gazing upon what others, if if somebody would just do this for me, then I'd be happy. Uh, What in your life might be something you're gazing upon? Um, 
we got to watch where we gaze and, and, and so in such a way guard our heart because wisdom is more about who we are becoming than what we are learning. Number three, third and last thought, a Solomon shows us that we need to watch what we do. Uh, verses 26 and 27 say, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Uh, walking on a path takes you somewhere, of course. Life is likened to a path because every action takes you somewhere. But like a path, the things that we do get etched into the ground. Do they not? It's like, it's like the, the grass starts to spread. The path, you know, the, the, the rocks stay in this spot. And we see, like a path, it's easier to become the things that we do. It's easier to repeat those things and just easier to do them again and again. Here's a, a quote from an unknown author. I think this will be on your screen. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Uh, the actions you and I do reveal who we are, who we're becoming. And when it comes to this, like our actions, that, that's a straightforward thought, okay, of course. But our actions are also molding us into who we're becoming. Um, it's probably believed by most in our culture to be hypocritical to do something that goes against your beliefs, right? But the Bible actually regularly encourages us to do positive things even if we don't feel like doing them. For instance, Jesus talks about loving your enemies, loving your opponents. Do you think when he said that, he was saying, okay, you just need to muster up the warm fillies for them. You just need to conjure up and trick yourself into loving them anyways. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I think Jesus, when he was saying, love your enemies, he was saying, you know what, just find a way to love and care for them sacrificially in spite of what you're feeling. And maybe... Just maybe your heart will begin to follow. Um, we are called to wisdom by guarding our hearts and taking watch of what we are doing. Um, our hearts will follow. Uh, with this thought, uh, Solomon gets practical. He says, give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Give careful thought. Ponder it. Uh, consider it. Uh, when was the last time you gave careful thought to your actions? like pondered them, considered them. Uh, if you're like me, I think I most often give careful to my thought when I really mess up. <laughs> you know, afterwards when I have to do damage control. It's like, oh, I should think about these actions so I don't do them again. But Solomon is saying we need to be a little bit more proactive about that. Are you giving thought? Are you pondering? Are you considering the actions that you're doing now? Uh, we need to do this. You might say, David, well, I don't know where to start. Well, you can start here. Think of one hard-to-love person in your life and ask what practical things could you do to begin loving them, uh, even this week. Okay, so uh, here's what we're saying today, and I'm going a little visual here for the visual learners among us. Uh, this kind of, this diagram I'm about to show you uh, really kind of helped me understand the text this week. Um, what we've been saying is uh, Solomon is talking about our hearts, right? He's talking about guarding our hearts, our, our control center, and he's been showing us that uh, we need, they, they will, you know, what, what we say will reveal who we are, right? Okay, these are lips. Please bear with me as I do. This is, Cindy said, you're going to be drawing a picture today? Uh-oh. Uh, anyways, uh, what we, where we look uh, is, is a revealer of where we're at. 
And then what we do, this is going to be the worst of the three. I just, it's a, these are feet, okay? Um, in the paths we go, the things that we do reveal, reveal the outflowing of our hearts. But remember what that verse says is it says it's, our hearts are a wellspring. And so we need to watch what we say. We need to watch, watch what we say, watch what we are, are gazing upon, watch what we're doing, because they will reveal who we are. Um, but they also will mold us into the people that we are becoming. And this is, to me, where this gets really exciting because this gets really practical. Because we're talking about, hey, do you want wisdom? Do you want to experience the benefits of wisdom? You can start doing that today by watching what you say. You can start doing that today by considering what you're, you're gazing, considering what you're doing. Um, here's what this diagram also does for me, and it just you know, gets me really excited. It helps us understand that really the best way to guard our hearts is actually worship. I'm not going to do that. So our hearts. Uh, Jesus put it this way. The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And to the extent we start to worship him, all of these will fall into place and our hearts, our, 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 our central control, control uh, will become more like the people we know we ought to be. Or even better put, the people God calls us to be? And how do we do these things? What is the greatest source to begin to start growing in this? Well, it's to fix our eyes, our gaze upon Jesus. Because here's the gospel. Here's the outflowing of our heavenly Father's love. He came and he gazed upon us. And what did he see? I think if we're real about it, I know if I'm real about it, if I were to think what God gazes upon me, he'd see a lot of ugliness a lot of not beautiful things, and yet when he saw us, he saw beauty through the lens of forgiveness that he would offer. And then what words did he come to speak? Words of condemnation? Ultimately, no. Words of life and love and forgiveness offered to Jesus. Those are the words he offered. And then what were the paths of his feet? What did he do? Not only did he come to be with us, he came to take the path to the cross to die for us and to give us life in his name. And so if he's done all these things, how can we not have a heart of gratitude, of worship back towards the one whose outpouring has been nothing but perfect love towards us? That's what Solomon's talking about here. That's how we can lean into wisdom. And we can offer it to others even as we celebrate who he is and what he's done for us. Uh, so let me get really practical today with just these two questions, and we're wrapping up here in 10 seconds. Two questions. Is there any way in which you are failing to guard your heart today? Maybe it's in one of these areas. And then, second question, are there any things you are seeing, saying, or doing that may be moving your heart away from God instead of towards Him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom in this. Thank you for your outpouring of love for us. That's what we stop and we, we, we give you praise for, even as we want to consider it and have these things melt into and shape our own hearts. Lord, we need your help to guard our hearts. Would you please help us grow and be wise in all of this? Uh, we, we, we recognize that often the things we say, the things we do, and where we fix our eyes uh, often uh, is, is in directions that aren't helpful to us, or those around us. So, Father, would you help us fix our gaze, our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Would you help us consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart? Please help us become wise in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.